Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word.
All right, let me greet you all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for making the trip to be here. Um, giving honor to God, my father, um, Pastor Eddie and Sister Melinda, Pastor Steve and Sister Lindsay who are out on a well-deserved uh, vacation. God bless them. Uh, acknowledge Pastor Paul. Uh, my mom and dad will be watching eventually, so hello, everybody. Um, shout out to River of Life Ustream and Facebook. All of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I greet you all in Jesus' name. Some very special guests are here today. I know Aaron's mom is here, Mary Box's mom is here. Shout out to y'all. I don't know if Alonzo's sister made it. Shout out to her if she's here. Ah, she's here, praise God, good to see you. My friend Crystal's here. So all the saints are gathered, God bless you. And if there's anybody here for the first time, thank you so much. Um, if you don't like the preaching, just come back next week. Somebody will be here who is much greater than I. So that's the caveat. Um, all right, let's preach. Um, I wanna speak to you today from the subject, Spirit Empowered Everything. Spirit empowered everything. Say that one time with me, class. Spirit empowered everything, everything. Okay, so if y'all don't know me, um, I like to teach, so you're gonna need something to write with and you're gonna need something to write on because this will be on the test. Okay. And all the students who come to the youth group know we talked about this on, on Wednesday. Everything in the word of God is essentially on the test because life is one test. Right? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what's on the test? Everything Jesus says. <laughs> He's expecting you to know how to do it. So I'm going to take my time and kind of talk with you through these things. Spirit empowered everything. Focusing today specifically on Acts chapter 6 and Acts uh, chapter 7. Spirit empowered everything. So let's start with a recap of what we've been learning about the Holy Spirit over the past couple of months. There are how many gods? One. One. That's not a hard one, that's the easy one. There is only, y'all were like, oh boy. There is only one God. Sorry, Pastor Eddie, I was testing them. There is only one God, okay. And he exists in three distinct but not divided persons. God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for our sins so that through his death we can become children of God, and God, the Holy Spirit, who is active in the world today. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, he draws people to Jesus Christ, and he empowers the Christians to live like Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit's work. Now, the scripture shows us something very important, that when the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change everything. This is gonna be critical, one more time. The scripture shows us that when the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change what? Everything, very good. This is Acts chapter two, verse two through four. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Holy Spirit came into that place, he touched everything and changed everything. Okay, this is Acts chapter 16 from verse 25 to 27. Two disciples, Paul and Silas, are in jail, bound hand and foot. They're praying and singing hymns, and the Holy Spirit responds to their praise with a visitation. 
The Bible says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and that once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change everything. So this is why Jesus taught us to pray, Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're saying, God, please fill the earth and let your glory touch everything and change everything. 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 The brokenhearted. The situations of the marginalized. Those whose hearts are hard to the word of God. The bodies of the sick, the faithful who are working and waiting on Jesus, the families on the verge of breakdown, the corruption in our best made plans, the secret struggles we never tell anybody. Jesus can come in and touch everything and change everything. And here's the best part about the Holy Spirit's holistic, miraculous transformation is that not only does he desire to do it in the earth, he desires to do it inside of you. He wants to touch everything and change everything about you. He desires to come to you. He desires to upgrade the whole you. He wants to impact everything about you. He wants to give you a new heart to the people that you don't like. Everything that's locked in you, he comes to release. Every gift that's behind closed doors, he comes to bring it out. Everything that has you bound, he comes to break it off. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he comes to touch everything and change everything. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 17 through 18. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change everything. So if this is true, Christians, why is it that the Holy Spirit seems to have no impact in some areas of our lives? If the Holy Spirit, when he comes into a place, can touch everything and change everything, why is it that there's some areas of our Christian life where there seems to be no Holy Ghost? Some of us can be so faithful at church, but lazy at work. Some of us are the best greeters, give the biggest hugs, but can never apologize to our spouses when we say that comment that we know is going to hurt them. Our church clothes are so clean, but our thoughts are so dirty. Our DMs are so dirty. Our conversation is so dirty. Our text messages are so dirty. How comes the Holy Spirit can come into a place, change everything, touch everything, but it doesn't look like that in our own lives? How is it that the Holy Spirit can shake a prison, can fill the whole house, can establish his kingdom in the whole earth and not change the whole you and the whole me? It's because we treat the Holy Spirit as a guest in our own house. Like the in-laws or the friends who are coming for a short-term visit, but they're not going to stick around for long. Listen, I love having you here. I'll give you the tour, but like, listen, these are the house rules. <laughs> this is where you're going to sleep. <laughs> these are your towels. 
This is your guest bathroom, and the rest of this stuff is off limits. So if you don't like the color scheme in my house, you can leave. <laughs> it's my house, right? If you don't like my fur carpet and my fur wallpaper, tough. This is my fur house. So what does this look like in our own lives? Like this. The Holy Spirit starts to do a beautiful work in the spaces where we allow him access, but in the places we keep him out, there's nothing but filth and flesh. In essence, we live a, a Frankenstein sort of life, part holy, part worldly. We live these lives that are great tension, great tension where at points we are Christ-like and at other points we are anti-Christ. And the contradiction is, is scary and it confuses people because in, in one moment I will shout praise the Lord and in the next moment I will punch you in your face. This is Bible, James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. James is looking at the church. He says, listen, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, that same tongue, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He's talking to the church. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He wasn't talking about unsafe people. He's talking to us, the bride of Christ, which sometimes looks like the bride of Frankenstein. The problem is we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to have access to the whole house. We have not allowed him to shake everything. Some of our prison doors, we want to keep them closed. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, but don't go over there. When the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change everything. But you and I must allow him access to everything. When the Holy Spirit comes into a place, he can touch everything and change everything. But you and I must allow him access to everything. Instead of seeing the Holy Spirit as a guest in our house, we should see him as a loving, living contractor who has permanent access to anything in the house and re can redesign anything he desires at the time that he desires. He can flip it. He can repaint it. He can redraw it. He can rebrand it. He can throw it away. He can burn it. He can smash it. He can set it up. He can tear it down. Why? Because he knows how to maximize the property of that house. I know you and I don't like demolition. It's not easy, it's messy, it's loud, it's expensive, it costs some convenience, but the Holy Spirit is not a threat to your luxury. He's not a threat to your beauty. He's come to make you, maximize you, make you more of who Jesus Christ is calling you to be. So if you wanna be that woman, that man, that Jesus Christ can count on, you have to let the Holy Spirit touch everything and change everything. We need spirit-empowered everything. So, today I want to consider the life of a man named Stephen, who allowed the Holy Spirit to touch everything and change everything in his life. We learned a little bit about him last week 
as he was one of the six men, one of the seven men who relied on the Holy Spirit for their church ministry. But what I want to highlight today is how the Holy Spirit influenced the most fundamental and mundane everyday aspects of this man's life and how through these behaviors, Stephen was an effective witness of Jesus Christ. So we're going to break today's lesson down into the following subheadings. Please write these down. These are the big three. We're going to talk about spirit-empowered speech, spirit-empowered silence, spirit-empowered sight. Isaiah, can you, can you hand me that water, please? Thank you. Spirit-empowered speech, Thank you. spirit-empowered silence, spirit-empowered sight. Write them down, and then we'll get going. Spirit-empowered speech, spirit-empowered silence, spirit-empowered sight. So I am a teacher, so I like to be dialogical. I like cooperation. I'm also from the Church of God, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, clap-hand, talk-back-to-me church. So y'all got to talk back to me. So what I'd like to do is read some scripture together, okay? So we're going to read it together. We're going to preach. We're going to read. We're going to preach. We're going to read. We're going to preach. And we're going to pray. And then we're going to go out of here, okay? Amen. Fantastic. All right, let's go to our first scripture. This is Acts chapter 6 um, from verse 8 through verse 10, okay? We're going to talk about spirit-empowered speech. So we're going to read this together, and then we're going to move forward, okay? Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. All right, um, chapter 6, verse 8 through verse 10. Spirit-empowered speech. Ready, class? All right, here we go. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen, meaning they were fighting him. All right, keep going. Verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Okay, spirit-empowered speech. The Holy Spirit wants to touch everything and change everything, including the way that you speak. The Holy Spirit wants to touch everything and change everything, including the very way that you speak. Here's what's going on in our text. Stephen, this spirit-filled man, has taken his testimony out of the church and into the streets. Stephen was talking about Jesus. And his talk was so different that it made waves in the community and people became curious. Now this should be the hallmark of every Christ follower, that the Holy Spirit gives you a new way of talking about things, and this transformation has folks wondering, where you learned that one from? This should be the hallmark of every Christian. It should be normal for you and I to speak about Jesus and mercy and grace and peace and forgiveness and say things like, I was wrong. That was my fault. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'll pray about that. It doesn't matter what you used to talk like. Don't matter where you learned that talk from. If you're open to the Holy Spirit, 
he will give you new expressions that glorify Jesus. He'll give you a new tone that's more sensitive to the feelings of the people you're communicating with. This is just how I am. When the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to touch everything. He's going to change everything. God will now be the object of your praise, not the precedent for your curse words. His name will no longer be the start of your swear words. The Holy Spirit will do this for you as you give him access to your speech. Now, let me be fair. Even though this is what Stephen's doing, spirit-empowered speech, not everybody is going to approve of your new vocabulary. Look at our text. In verse 9, some really smart people came to make Stephen look really dumb. <laughs> That's what happened. They heard this guy talking about Jesus, and they were like, all right, let's trip him up. And so all the king's horses and all the king's men <laughs> came to see Stephen and be like, hey, Stephen, that's a cute story about Jesus, but, like, you're wrong, and here's why. Disputing him. Or, Stephen, how can you believe in an all-loving God with all this corona and delta variant? Disputing him. Hey, Stephen, I heard this other preacher say that Jesus is not the only way. There's all these roads that lead to God. So what are you talking about? Why are you preaching that? They're disputing him. Have you ever been in those moments of dispute? where you try to take your faith, your testimony, out of the church and into the classroom or into the workforce or into your own home or onto social media and you're faced with counter-arguments that, that make you pause and be like, huh. And it's not because you doubt your faith, but sometimes those moments feel like suddenly there's this, there's this giant spotlight on you and the fate of the entire Christian multiverse is on your shoulders. And if you don't say the right thing and use the right words in the right way, right now, nobody's gonna live right. Right? <laughs> Y'all never been there? <laughs> it just feels like so much pressure, like Jesus, yo, I'm just trying to be nice to people. Like, why are they asking me all these deep theological questions? Well, pastor's not here, he's on vacation, just wait. <laughs> but here's what I've learned. Even though it feels like you're on stage when you talk about Jesus, by talking about Jesus, you're actually putting him on stage. Even though it feels like when you're talking about Jesus, like everyone's just, oh, what's he going to say? Be smart. Be deep. Be powerful. Be anointed. Break the chains. Even though it feels like that heightened anxiety, by just telling your story about Jesus, he saved my soul, he made me a new man, I got a new conversation. You're putting the spotlight on Jesus. Why is this important? John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus said, listen, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all men unto me. What does this mean for you and I? That it's our job to open up our mouths and speak about Jesus. And in that way, people will know who Jesus is. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will draw them to himself. The small group on Tuesday night knows this. We are in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That means he got some work to do, but guess what? You got some work to do too. It's our job to do some spirit-empowered speaking. Yes, us with our trembling voices and tears in our eyes and our limited knowledge of Greek and Hebrew and our million different versions of the Bible, it's our job to talk about Jesus and put Jesus Christ on stage. Yeah. 
But we don't have to do that without help because the Holy Spirit can empower us to speak on behalf of Jesus so that people can come to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to say what Jesus would say in every situation. What would Jesus say in this group chat? What would Jesus say in this locker room? What would Jesus say in these backdoor deals? What would Jesus say in this argument? The Holy Spirit wants to use you and I to say what Jesus would say. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to say to folks, hey, that theory about Jesus that you think, that's, that's not actually scriptural, and let me show you why. Holy Spirit wants to use us to say, hey, that thing that you were posting online, like that preacher that you heard that was saying all these weird things about there's no heaven, there's no hell. There's... Let, me, let me show you why that's not from the Bible. Holy Spirit wants to use you and me to teach that. This is, this is our job. It's our responsibility. And we can only do this successfully if we give the Holy Spirit access to our speech. How do we do this? By praying and asking the Holy Spirit for his help. Holy Spirit, please fill my mouth with your words and may what I say be backed with power. Holy Spirit, I'm your man and I wanna say what you want me to say and I want it to reach who you want it to reach, so just help me today. Holy Spirit, you said you can touch everything and change everything, so I need you to, to influence my speech today because I, I, I can't speak without you. He won't resist you when you come to him broken and open that room in your heart and ask him to do what he promises he can do. Come in, touch everything, and change everything. Now let me add one more thing about speaking for God. Your preparation matters. Your preparation matters. If you don't read your Bible for real, please don't call into some radio show or get into some doctrinal debates on social media. You're going to embarrass me. <laughs> You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to confuse yourself. And people are going to be like, what is she talking about? One God, five gods, two gods. Listen, get in your Bible. Stay right there. Okay? Your preparation matters. Prepare to share Jesus by reading your word over and over and over again. Prepare to share Jesus by telling your testimony over and over and over again until it becomes like second nature. Prepare to share Jesus by listening to these sermons over and over and over again until what we're teaching you feels like, oh, I know this. I can teach that too. Great. It's not plagiarism. It's free. Church, you can't be perfect, but you can be prepared. You can't be, per perfection is the thing that's, oh, I can't be like Pastor Paul, I can't be, perfection is the enemy of like you doing your assignment. You can't be perfect, but you can be prepared. And your prayerful preparation will be propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, who will take your words and drive it further than you can go, because that's what he does. So, sisters and brothers, don't worry too much about saying the right things the right way in the right moment. I know the feeling of, man, I wish I said it differently. I know that feeling. I know that feeling of, I wish I was more clear. I, I wish I knew more. I wish I was like just more eloquent. I, I know that feeling. But here's the thing. At least you said what is true about Jesus. 
It's not argument versus argument. It's truth of God versus the lie of the enemy. And truth always pierces the darkness, even if you cry while you're saying it. (laughs) God's word will always accomplish its purpose. It's not your word. God's word will always accomplish what he said it to accomplish. You just have to open your mouth and say something. Jesus spoke perfectly, and folks still didn't believe him. So what makes you think saying everything the right way is going to really convince somebody? Jesus is literally the word. (laughs) Everything he said was perfectly uttered, and people were like, you ain't even the son of God. So why are we antagonizing, stressing, oh, I got to say this thing so right, I got you, I got to define, listen, just say the word of Jesus. Say what he gave you. Say what's true, and that truth will pierce the darkness. So friends... Does your speech glorify Jesus? Are you struggling with your, struggling with your tongue? Or maybe you just, you just don't know what to say and you, or you're just too afraid to say it. I, I get that. What you need is the Holy Spirit to touch and change your speech. He will inspire you and give you the boldness to say those things that glorify God, not just in church but in public. Spirit-empowered speech. Everybody okay so far? All right, we're moving. Let's go to our next scripture, please. This is Acts chapter 6 from verse 11 through 15. We're going to talk about spirit-empowered silence. Spirit-empowered silence. Acts chapter 6, 11 through 15. Are we ready, saints? All right, let's move. Then they suborned men, which means they paid men. They bought them off. Okay, they suborned men, which said... We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Okay, so they grabbed him, dragged him, and brought him to the court. Okay, let's keep going. And set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, Stephen, and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. All right, this story is getting weirder and weirder, and I love it. Spirit-empowered silence. We just talked about spirit-empowered speech. (laughs) That's funny, right? We're going to talk about spirit-empowered silence. The Holy Spirit wants to touch everything and change everything, including when you speak. Wants to touch and change what you say. Now he wants to touch and change when you say it. All right. Plot thickens. Stephen spoke what the Holy Spirit helped him speak, and his situation got a whole lot worse. (laughs) He did everything God required of him to do, and it got him into more trouble. Those smart people paid people to lie on him. 
and those liars got the mob riled up and they attacked him. And then they added lawsuit to injury and took him to court. And then they lied on him there again. For a little bit of money, these false witnesses accused Stephen of things he never said and never did, knowing their lies were going to cost this man his life. And this same Stephen, who we know can speak during this whole time, said nothing. In the community, they lied on him. In the courtroom, they lied on him. Here a lie, there a lie, everywhere a lie lie. Oh, McDonald, y'all know it. <laughs> and despite the proliferation of these life-threatening lies, Stephen, who we know is not short of words, said nothing. <laughs> there goes his reputation. There goes his standing in the community. He's been serving in this community for years and years. Nobody stands up for him. People who he served, widows he's probably served, he's seeing them. Nobody's stepping up to testify. He's literally and figuratively getting dragged through the mud. And right now, nobody's defending him. And he stands there and he says, nothing. Spirit-empowered silence is so contrary to our natural inclinations. You got to speak your truth. Talk your talk. Don't let nobody cancel you. We aren't going down without a fight. <laughs> God, they are so wrong about me, I'm going to set the record straight right now. Oh, let me just get... Do, 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 send. We were talking about that this week in our life group. That was funny. Um, but you know, in some times, in the middle of these accusations and fierce confrontations and fierce arguments, the Holy Spirit will say to you, say nothing. The battle is raging. Oh, I just got to let me out of Holy Spirit. Let that go. Let it go. You see, the Holy Spirit will never muzzle you. The Holy Spirit will never muzzle you. Spirit-empowered silence doesn't mean he takes away your ability to speak. No, it means he empowers you to let things go without a comment. I'm going to run that back. That's too good. Okay, the Holy Spirit will never muzzle you. Oh, Jesus, just stop me from talking. It don't work like that. Where's my pen? It don't work like that. What he will do is empower you to see that thing coming at you and be like, okay. That's power. It's, it's not because you no longer have anything to say. Oh, you got your opinions. But it's because your desire to please the Lord is greater than your desire to defend yourself or say your peace. Spirit-empowered silence. Your desire to please the Lord is greater than your desire to prove yourself right and vindicate yourself. Jesus, I love you more than I want to get back at him for saying that thing to me. Jesus, I love you more than I want to get even with my enemy. I love you more than my life itself and my reputation itself. And so I see them talking. I hear them talking. I can talk back, but I won't. Because what I'm going to say is not going to honor you, and my desire is to honor you even above my own reputation. Spirit-empowered silence. The silence feels so hard because it feels like we're like surrendering to the lies. It's like, oh, well, if I don't say it, nobody's going to say it and they're going to think these things about me. 
it feels like we're, we're letting those evil things or miscommunications, it feels like we're just letting them go and nobody's, there's no justice. It feels like a great injustice. But the truth is, if God is your father, it's your father's responsibility to defend you. It is. If God is your father, it's his responsibility to defend you. You ever get picked on in school and you got a big brother or big sister who's tougher than you and they step into the fight? That's what God is to you and I. He's like, listen, stay out of this. I got you. If he's your father, that's his responsibility to take care of you. And we don't even give him that chance because we're always mixing it up. <laughs> and we wonder why people aren't getting saved because we're fighting everybody. <laughs> this is Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 through 14. Moses... One of, the, one of the biggest fighters. Y'all remember how Moses got started, right? He, he killed a man that killed one of his boys. So Moses was a fighter, but something happened to Moses. Moses said to the people, listen, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the Lord's salvation, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. <laughs> Spirit-empowered silence is, is not surrendering to your enemies. Spirit-empowered silence is not giving up the battle. Spirit-empowered silence is giving God an opportunity to work without your interference. I know how it feels. Oh, well, come mm, you don't understand. I do. I do. But I need God to have time and room to work without my fingerprints. Too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> Just let God do his work. Stand still and let him do it. Spirit-empowered silence. This is Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait Curious, right? God helps those who help themselves. Hold on. <laughs> Some of the stuff we're getting involved in, it's not for us to get involved in. Spirit-empowered silence. And another thing that's important to make clear, it's not that God doesn't want the truth to come out. He does. He takes care of his own. And according to our story, Stephen will eventually get a chance to speak again and speak on, on behalf of God. But right now was not the time to speak. And that's one of our biggest problems. <laughs> right now is not the time to speak. But mm, right now is not the time to speak. The Lord wanted to use Stephen's silence to show the world how the Holy Spirit gives us peace in the middle of the greatest injustice. Fight him, kill him, burn it down, rage against the man. Spirit-empowered silence. The Holy Spirit wants to show the world that he can give us peace in the middle of terrible injustice. How do we know Stephen was at peace? Verse 15 is like one of the most interesting Bible verses I've ever read. It says, and all that sat in the council, all the judges, the jury, the executioners, everybody who sat in the council 
looked steadfastly at this man as everybody was lying on him, and they saw his face as if it had been the face of an angel. Like 71 Sanhedrin, that's how many people were there. And line after line, liar after liar, he did this, he did this. And Stephen is looking like the face of an angel. Okay, although what he was facing was very unjust, unjust, Stephen showed no signs of anger, bitterness, or hostility. The people looked at a man who reflected a heavenly nature in a hellish situation. And instead of grimacing and grumbling and uh, Stephen was at peace because the Holy Spirit was helping him be a living testimony through his spirit-empowered silence. You know what I've learned? It's often in times of spirit-empowered silence that you and I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking most clearly to us. Often in those times of spirit-empowered silence, you and I have the opportunity to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking most clearly and most directly to our situation. You see, this silence is both about you not responding to them and about you hearing him. You see, while your enemies may be talking at you or talking about you, the Holy Spirit will speak over them and speak directly to you. He'll bring you words of comfort from the God, your father saying, listen, my child, my daughter, my son, I got this. I hear them, I, I got you. And those words of comfort will bring you a peace and you will see the people lying on you, see the people talking about you, see the people accusing you, and your face will look like heaven because you're hearing words from your father. You can be in the presence of God and in the presence of your enemies at the same time. Spirit-empowered silence allows that transition to happen. You can hear the Holy Spirit talking over them, but church, I promise you, you will never hear the Holy Spirit talking over you. You can hear the Holy Spirit talking louder than your enemies. That's what he does. He will never talk over you. So the silence, you feel like, I got to let out. Not only are you making a mess of the situation, you're drowning out the voice of the Holy Spirit who's trying to give you strategies for this battle. In our haste to answer back, in our haste to get even, in our haste to set things right, we're going to misrepresent Jesus Christ. We're going to fly off the handle and miss what God is saying to us. And the crazy thing about being a Christian is that you and I are called to live right even when we are being wronged. Spirit-empowered Silence. How do we do this? We need to give the Holy Spirit control of our need to defend ourselves. We need to give the Holy Spirit control of our need to give an answer to everything. We need to give Holy Spirit control of our need to fight back. And he will speak to us in the silence and give us peace in those moments when we're being attacked. Spirit-empowered silence. All right, last one. We're going to talk about spirit-empowered sight. Spirit-empowered sight. Let's go to Acts chapter 7, 
verse uh, 54 through 60. Last scripture. <clears throat> spirit-empowered speech, spirit-empowered silence. We'll close with this spirit-empowered sight. All right, it's a long one, so take this journey with me, okay? All right, I need you. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed their teeth at him. Sorry. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their coats at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. Stephen was saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. All right. Spirit-empowered sight. The Holy Spirit wants to touch everything and change everything, including what you see. The Holy Spirit wants to touch everything and change everything, including what you see. So where are we in our story? After the silence, Stephen has one more opportunity to speak. And when you go home, I encourage you to read uh, chapter 7 from verse 1 through 54 because it's a long speech. And after Stephen has spoken, the judges, the juries, and the executioners respond in crazy rage. These distinguished, pious men are now so convicted and angry at his words that they are literally snarling at him, the gnashing of teeth, snarling at him like a pack of wild, rabid, attack dogs that are ready for a kill. 71 grown men in robes foaming at the mouth like they want to eat this man. That's what his spirit-empowered speech has done to them. Anyone would panic at the sights and sounds of the 71 Sanhedrin, but not Stephen. He felt something else in this dramatic moment because the Holy Spirit empowered him to see something else in this dramatic moment. Scripture tells us Stephen saw Jesus his salvation. Stephen, man, listen, this is real life. I'm sure God will forgive you if you recant. The guys look like they want to eat you. <laughs> I think you can, you know, just tell them you're sorry and change your mind. Beg for your life or, or do something else. Just like, see if you can get out of this one. But Stephen didn't back out. He didn't change his mind because he literally saw something else. He saw beyond the jury he saw beyond the drama, and he saw Jesus. Why is it important to see Jesus, especially in our suffering and in our dying? When you focus on Jesus, when you think about him, when you pray to him, when you worship him, when you meditate on his words, you become like him. You become what you behold. 
When you worship Jesus, when you read his words, when you think about him, when you pray to him, you become like him. What does that mean? You adopt his character. You receive his strength. You have access to what he has. And that strength is able to help you through hardships and still please the Lord, just like Jesus did when he was on earth. You see, without spirit-empowered sight, we forget that we have a Savior who walks with us through the fire. We forget. Without spirit-empowered sight, we only see the pain of the situation. We only see the danger of the situation. We only see the risk of the situation, and we will never see the Savior, our rescue, and our Redeemer who is literally walking with us in the middle of that situation. Without spirit-empowered sight, we are going to quit in the suffering. We're going to quit on Jesus when the pressure gets too high because we're going to say, well, God is not there. Brother Kavar, you don't understand. He let me down. How can he let this happen? It's because you did not allow the Spirit to show you that your Savior is with you in the middle of the worst situations of your life. It's not that he's not there. It's that you don't see him. But I can tell you how to see him. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the Savior in the middle of your suffering. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. No, church, Jesus is always there. Always there. Always there. It's just that we're distracted by the Sanhedrin. They're loud. They're foaming. This is weird. This is scary. We're distracted by the stones that they're throwing. They hurt. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to help us see past what we see and see the Savior. And in seeing him, we can become like him and have access to the strength that he has to be faithful even in adversity. This is Isaiah chapter 43 from verse 1 through verse 2. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You and I need the Holy Spirit so we can hold on to these promises, especially in our low times. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the supernatural presence of Jesus at work, even in our suffering. So that even when we don't understand why us, we believe Jesus is for us. Even as Stephen's situation worsened, his focus remained on Jesus. He prayed, and the situation worsened. He spoke to God, preached about God, situation got worse. And yet, his focus, his faith, remained on Jesus. Can you do that? God, just please, just make this come through, and nothing happens. Jesus, just deliver this, please. I'm fasting, I'm giving, I'm faithful, and nothing happens. Will your faith stay fixed? Will your eyes stay fixed on Jesus? Stephen is 
praying through the pain. His connection with Jesus did not worsen as his condition worsened. God used this tragic murder to show the world that the presence of Jesus can keep you in the worst times of your life. Somebody has to go through struggles with sickness as a Christian so the world may know that Jesus can keep a Christian through the worst sickness of their life. Somebody got to go through it. Somebody got to go through unemployment so the world can see that Jesus can satisfy you even when your buddy don't, even when your job don't. Somebody got to go through it. Somebody has, I'm sorry, somebody has to go through the tragedies, the loss of families, the break of a marriage. Somebody has to do it so the world can see that Jesus can keep a Christian in the worst times of their life. Somebody got to go through it. And if all of this stuff is scaring you, good. You need the Holy Spirit who can empower you to go through these tragedies and still see Jesus and draw strength from Jesus. God uses Stephen's suffering to show the world that Jesus Christ offers us something better than a pain-free life. There's something better than easy street. It's the presence of Jesus, even in the fire. It's the presence of Jesus, even in the cancer ward. It's the presence of Jesus when everyone has betrayed you. That's better than the easy life. It's better than the good life. I need the presence of Jesus. And as long as I have his presence, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why can I go through this? Because the presence of Jesus is with me. And I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than the easiest times of my life. I'd rather have Jesus than convenience and friends. I'd rather have Jesus than the best health in the world. I'd rather have Jesus than the intact family. I'd rather have Jesus than the greatest paying job. Why? Because the presence of Jesus is what makes all the difference. The world needs to see us clapping and shouting and dancing even when we're going through the worst times of our life. Jesus is counting on us to do that. Spirit empowered sight. My eyes are on Jesus so I can go through any valley. You know what? God is shouting the same message through you and I to the world as we go through challenges with our eyes fixed on Jesus. How can you go through that? How can you still serve God? How can you still pay tithes? How can you still love Jesus? How can you still serve the church and you're going through all that? Because my eyes are on Jesus. Suffering without godly sight doesn't make no sense. Suffering without a vision of Jesus makes no sense. It feels painless, it feels painful, it feels pointless. But when your eyes are on Jesus, you know there's a purpose. Because somebody in the world is trying to figure out, how in the world are you making it? I'm making it because my eyes are on Jesus. It hurts. It's bad. I'm sorry. I cry sometimes. But my God, I'm making it because my eyes, my eyes are on Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us to fix our gaze even when health goes down and friends go down. Sisters and brothers, I don't know 
what your stoning feels like. I don't know what your Sanhedrin council feels like. I don't know. But God is saying to you, please, don't let the pain stop your prayers. God is saying to you, please, don't let the pain stop your missionary work. God is saying to you, please, don't let the pain stop your praise. God is saying to you, please, don't let the pain shift your priorities. Keep your eyes on Jesus and let him give you the strength you need to go through the trauma, to go through the pain, to go through the hurt. Say what David said. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Say what Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He shall be my salvation. Church, Jesus sees you. He sees you and he has help for you. There's a reward for you, but you got to keep your eyes on him so that you can, you cannot quit, so that you can just stay faithful. Ask the Holy Spirit for sight to see beyond the diagnosis so that you can see Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit for sight so that you can see beyond the difficulty and you can keep your eyes on Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see behind your failures, see beyond your struggles, see beyond your temptations so that your eyes can be fixed on Jesus. This is why Stephen didn't quit. This is why Stephen wasn't afraid. This is why he kept going. Jesus is welcoming me. Jesus is applauding me. Jesus is welcoming me. Jesus is proud of me. And because I know Jesus is happy, I'll endure it. The sights and sounds of the Sanhedrin are real. The stones are real. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you it's going to hurt. But church, you can handle it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can keep your eyes on Jesus and go through the darkest times of your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Wherefore, seeing as we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to focus on Jesus in the middle of the difficult situations. Are you facing a difficult situation? Is it loud? Is it scary? Is it getting worse? Does it feel like there are more people against you than people for you? Jesus is there. But you need the Holy Spirit's power to help you see him. And when you see him, you will pull all the strength you need to endure. We have a Savior who walks with us through the fire. It will not overtake us. Because Jesus is with us. You need the Holy Spirit to help you see beyond the Sanhedrin, to see beyond the stones, and to keep your eyes on the Savior. I'll close with this. I want, at the end of my life, to go out like Stephen did. I want to die as a spirit-empowered man. But the kind of sleep 
that the Bible describes Stephen has is only given to the believer who finishes his or her journey faithfully. We're all going to die unless the rapture happens. But not all of us are going to get the rest, the sleep, the escape that Jesus promises for the faithful. Honestly, when I look at the way Stephen handled the liars, the Sanhedrin, the silences, the stones, I can admit I have not allowed the Holy Spirit to touch and change every aspect of my life. I've got some spaces based on this scripture that I know. I've said, Holy Spirit, nah, don't put me in that situation. I, 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 think, I think I would be much less bold than Stephen was. I, it means I need to surrender more of my speech. I think I'd fight back a little bit more than Stephen did. I need to surrender my feeling like I need to defend myself. I, I, I need to be open to spirit-empowered silence. I don't think I'd be as patient as Stephen was, especially when they started stoning him. I need the Holy Spirit to give me a clearer vision of Jesus so I can endure adversity. I don't want to be part holy and part worldly. I want to be all God's. Completely surrender. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.